0: Keith and Marianne did a great job talking about friendship and Jesus, and uh, that song was really good. We're all in good spirits right now. I was just thinking about just uh, going home. <laughs> we're all fed already, but uh, maybe I can add a little icing to the cake. Uh, today we're talking about Friend Me, and I don't know if you know much about Facebook. Uh, some of us have it, some of us don't. But in Facebook, the idea is if you meet someone on the street and you, and you haven't seen him in a while... And uh, you want to connect on Facebook, you say, Facebook me or friend me, friend me. And so that's kind of a common term now. It's probably in the dictionary soon, friend me. And so the, the sermon title today is about friend me. And it's about reaching out and making connections. And uh, this series, as Brian shared, is it's about connecting with God and connecting with other people. I want to show you a couple screens of Facebook if you've never been there, so you can get a little idea of what it is. Here's uh, Dorothy Douglas. She's an older woman and she's on Facebook. And in the, in the lines there, it talks about her grandparents excited that she's on Facebook. And if you don't have Facebook, this is your profile page. It'll show your picture or whatever picture you put in the corner. And there'll be a wall of your conversations. And you can kind of communicate with, with friends, family, whoever there. Or if you're a parent and you have a kid there, you can spy on them through Facebook. Some people do that. Stalk each other, you know. The next one, next slide, we see here, um, when, you, when you want to add somebody on Facebook, here's, you know, add, add a friend. And here you put a little note on it. I want to connect here. This guy, Adam, is connecting. And if, if you don't have Facebook, this kind of gets you an idea of what we're doing. So when you're friending somebody, you send a reply to them, you press add friend, and then they have this request. And you can accept them as a friend or not accept them as a friend. And I, I have a little bit of a challenge because I've been in lots of churches all over the world. And in the Philippines, there was like five or 6,000 disciples in the church there. And I... Didn't know all of them, but they knew me. So I get these requests sometimes, and I don't really know the person. So what I'll do, and I'm going to give you my secret, all right? I'm not sure if I know the person. I might have 48 common friends, but I'm not sure. I'll friend them and then look at their page and their info and kind of get to see if I remember them. But I don't remember them, and I'll just unfriend them. But if I remember them, I'll friend them. But I don't really want a bunch of friends that I don't know. You know what I'm saying? That's just, that's what I do. So if you friend me, and I friend you for a while, and then unfriend you, but I do it really quick. Like right on the spot. But anyway, I like Facebook. I've reconnected with a lot of friends from high school and from college and from the Philippines and from Kansas City and San Francisco and different places I've been, San Diego, that I wouldn't have otherwise. And I've been able to reconnect to people. So I think it's a great tool for connecting with people and reconnecting with people. And so today we're talking about friendship. And, uh, you know, Keith and I were talking at Morgan's graduation party the other night just about friendship. And he was telling me this story about how he found out that Mo was on his back and he didn't know and he gave Mo a call and just how we need, to, we need to call each other, we need to stay connected with one another and how important friendship is. So it was kind of cool that we could collaborate on this morning and talk about friendship. There's some cool quotes on friendship that I found I want to read to you guys as we think about friendship. Friendship isn't a big thing, it's a million little things. I like that. You know, friends, we just do little things over and over and pretty soon we're very bonded. The second one is, a true friend who thinks you're a good egg even when you're half-cracked. We're all half-cracked. And our friends find out we're half-cracked, and they still love us. Amen? The third one, this is from Aristotle. What is a friend? A single soul dwelling in two bodies. That's deep. That's just Aristotle. He was deep. You know, he's a deep thinker. But when you're really connected to your friend, you just... You know where each other are at, don't you? The next one. A friend can tell you things that you don't want to tell yourself. You ever had a friend tell you something that you kind of know is true, but you've been avoiding that truth, and they point it out and they help you on out there? It's nice to have friends that tell us the truth, right? The next one. A friend accepts us as we are, yet helps us to be what we should. Author unknown. But we should help each other be our best for God, shouldn't we? I really like this one. Think you got to think about this. I'm not going to I'll let you think about it. A bird, a nest, a spider, a web, man, friendship. From William Blake. What are you building in your life? If a bird builds nests and a spider builds webs, men and women, we should be building friendships. It takes effort, doesn't it? Friends don't just happen. You actually have to make effort to build friendships. No road is long without good company. This is a Turkish proverb. And it's kind of true if you've got a long trip together, but if you're, if you're with good friends, it doesn't seem like it's that long. There's, the Proverbs is a book of wisdom in the Bible. There's some great Proverbs on friendship. In Proverbs, uh, it's already up there, 17.7, it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. You know, I appreciate my friendships, and, you know, I think about somebody that's that's like this for me is Rodell. You know, Rodell and I were together in the Philippines. I think I got it. We were together in Hawaii. We're together here. And I I think that we've we've both been through a lot of tough times and good times together, and yet um, we're always there for each other when there's adversity. We always cry on each other's shoulder or pray together or or talk together or confide in one another. It's just great to have a guy like Rodell that's there for me when I'm facing adversity. Uh, the second one, Proverbs eighteen twenty four. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's it's, it's true. You know, I'm close with my brother, but I have friends here that I'm closer with than my brother. Um, I think about Mike Newman, Mike and Laurel. I serve with us in the campus ministry as a shepherding couple, and Mike and I used to be in the same family group years ago when we were in the Santa Monica sector and. When I moved, and we've always stayed in touch. When Mike's gone through tough times, he's called me. And when I've gone through tough times, I've called him. And when we've gone through good times, we totally forget about each other. That's kind of the way it is. When you're in different cities, you kind of call each other when you need each other, right? Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And sometimes as friends, we've got to tell each other the truth. And, I, you know, I really appreciate Anthony and Ruben. Uh, we we've kind of form the stat, the guy's staff here, the different evangelists. And we get together every once in a while and brainstorm on the services and brainstorm on what we can do. But also we, we, we help each other out. We're, we're there to encourage each other with the things we're doing well and also to, to challenge each other on the things we can grow in. And we, we kind of sharpen one another. And I appreciate those guys being there for me to not only encourage me, but also to sharpen me. I want to talk a little bit about Ruben. This last week we went to a staff retreat. Uh, Ruben's up here next week, but who cares Uh, Anyway, in the staff retreat, it was really cool We stayed in these cabins out in Ohio It was like this campground And uh, in the cabins is like, you know, 8 to 12 bunks per cabin, right? So it's really really intimate So you really find out a lot about one another when you're in a cabin You find out, you know, uh, whether or not they snore You know, different scents going on It's just a very intimate experience but one of the things we did to, to, to bond together was we went mountain bike riding. We went mountain bike riding in this riverbed. So there's rocks and you're going through rivers and up hills and there's poison oak you've got to avoid. And it was really, really cool. And it was, you know, supposedly a beginner intermediate trail, but it was exhausting. And uh, I love Ruben, but Ruben's never ridden a mountain bike before. Um, I think he's ridden a bike before. But but Reuben was kind of hanging out towards the, the, the one of the last guys, right? And Anthony was always hanging out with him and encouraging him to come along. And I was following the guide guy because I wanted to really figure out how to get through the paths. And it was, man, we went up this one hill and it was like in the sun and like it had these switchbacks. So you go up and you think around the corner it might be over and it wasn't. And you And you see the next switchback and you think maybe after that. And literally, man, it exhausted us. So our legs were tired. Our lungs were tired. Our brains were dizzy. It was radical. But right after that, we got to go on this downhill, like a mile and a half downhill, just speed demons. It was super fun through water and mud and mud everywhere. And we went through this one river. Oh, and Brian Craig in the river. We were going through this river. Brian's here, too. And it was so cool because I got to see him fall in the river. <laughs> him, his bike, everything. It was so cool. Um, that's what friends do, right? But at the end of the time, I, I had been in the front, but at the end, I realized that Reuben. Probably need, might need a little bit of help. So I hung in the back, and, we were, and we we're off of the dirt, and now we're onto the asphalt. And we're just going up this little hill, and I'm kind of trailing behind. I just want to make sure Ruben's okay. And literally, not on the dirt, but on the, on the asphalt, he just falls over. Bam. And I was like, I don't know what happened. There was no rocks. there's no boulders. and no nothing. He goes, bam. And so I'm like, what's up? And he's like, I'm cramped up. And his legs, his, his quads, are cramped up. And, uh, so I picked up his bike and I wheel up my bike and his bike. I'm like, can you walk? And he's walking super slow and all stiff. And he looked like a penguin, honestly. <laughs> so we get up the hill, we wrestle, and we go down and we eat lunch. And then after lunch, um, I got back on that bike and I had no idea how much different body parts could hurt after riding that long. And when you cool down a little bit, you really, parts of you really hurt. And so then there's this little hill to get back to where we're going. And I'm going up this hill and my legs start to cramp up. And I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going down. <laughs> and I made it up the hill. But it was, it was a really bonding time. Anyway. Wounds from a tr- friend can be trusted. <laughs> uh, Reuben was the youngest among us. Just thought I'd point that out. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. And the pleasantness of one's friend uh, one's friend springs from earnest counsel. You got shh. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. And the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. And, you know, we have to have people in, in our lives that give us good advice. And it's, it's pleasant when they do. And, you know, I've got a lot of people like that in my life. But I think of just yesterday, there was something that I was going through. And I just called up Mo Bashar. And Mo and I are great friends. And, hey, Mo, I've got this thing going on, and what do you think about it? Can you give me some advice? He's a wise guy, and it's so good to have somebody like that that you can call. And I've got lots of people, but just to be able to have a good friend like Mo that has a lot of wisdom, that they can, they can counsel me, it's so comforting. I am so grateful for the friendships I have. You know, we all need friends. Whether you think you need friends or not, we all do. Let's, let's read Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. It's a great verse, isn't it? We need friends because every once in a while we fall down. You're going to fall. You need friends and I need friends. Um, I think about this, that my wife is just my best friend. And, and every once in a while, we fall down. I fall down more than her, and I'm grateful for the times that she bears with me when I fall down. Sometimes she looks down at me and laughs a little, but she always is there, helping me on up. You know, last night, we went out on a date. Uh, Kai went over to Kenzie's house to spend the night, which was great for Kai to hang out with Kenzie. Kalina decided to go over to Alexis's house and spend the night, and Amy's like, we can hang out together. So we went to downtown Culver City, and we went to Cat and Dave's, the Mexican restaurant down there. And it was just awesome hanging out together. It was a beautiful night. It was warm. And just being able to hang out with my wife. It's great to have a good friend, a great friend in your wife or your husband and your spouse. And that's one of the great things about friendship. But we all need friends. And you remember uh, the movie Toy Story? Even Woody knows about friendship. So let's hear what Woody has to say about friends, all right? you
1: along. When you're the,
0: rough ahead and your mouth miles and miles from your nice warm bed. You just remember what your old past is. for you got a friend in me. Yeah, you got a friend
1: in me. Hey, draw. No! Oh, got me again. You got a friend in me
0: you got a friend in me. you got trouble. i got them too. There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. We stick together. We
1: can see it through. Cause you.
0: we You'll probably forget the sermon, but you'll never forget the video, right? You know, uh, as we talk about friendship, there's, there's just two points I have today. The first point is you've got a good friend. Whether you know it or not, you've got a good friend. And what I want to talk about today is Jesus and how he is a good friend. A great example to us in friendship. We'll look at some scriptures about Him, but I want us to think about this. The things that Jesus did to, to show us our friendship. First of all, he became human and came to earth. Which, for God, is really reaching out to make a connection. He seemed, you know, he's wanting to friend us, right? Friend me. He lived a sin-free life and he showed his care for us and for all of humanity. He sacrificially allowed himself to suffer and die to take the punishment for our sins. I think that Jesus has done quite a bit to show that he wants to be our friend. But really what I want to look at is the way Jesus was a friend while he walked on the earth. And the way not only was he a friend then, but he's still a friend today because Jesus is alive. He didn't just live 2,000 years ago. He actually resurrected from the dead and he is still alive. And it says wherever two or three gather that he's there with us. So he's here today and he is our friend. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, we're going to go through some scriptures and just look at the way Jesus was a good friend. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is gracious. Jesus is truthful. And I don't know about you, but I am super grateful that Jesus is gracious because I've got a lot of flaws. And I know, you know, my cracked eggness. I know where where I sin and where I make mistakes and and not not anybody really knows all of my flaws but me and Jesus and he gives me grace. And he's truthful and as we look through the other scriptures, we'll see the way he was honest. And but he 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 was honest in a loving way, and the way he was very vulnerable that he shared his heart with his disciples. In John chapter one, and verse thirty-five through thirty-nine, it says the next day John was there again with two of, his, two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, "Look, the Lamb of God." When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed him. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, "What do you want?" They said, "Rabbi," which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and he spent that day with them. It was about the tenth hour. These guys didn't know Jesus. They just wanted to know more about him. And he says to them, what do you want? And they're like, well, where are you staying? They probably wanted to know a lot more than that. Like, are you the Messiah? And is there hope for us? And, you know, do you have a vision for our lives? Or whatever they might have been thinking. But all that could come out of their mouths was, where are you staying? And Jesus was available. He's like, hey, come and see. And he hung out with them for the entire day. These guys didn't even say it correctly or what they or they weren't even being totally honest about what they were feeling, and yet Jesus just realized that what their need was, they needed to feel that they were important to him. So he hung out with them all day long. Have you ever hung out with somebody for a whole day? That's when you really get close with people, right? You eat together, you laugh together, you fall down on your bike together, you you know, you lift each other up. But Jesus is available. If you want to talk to him, you can talk to him any time, day or night. He's always there. He always wants to hang with you. John 1, verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter or Rock. Jesus looks at this guy and he has hope for him. He says, right now, you're not, your name is Simon, but you're going to be called Rock. You're going to be called Cephas. And, 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 he, and Simon hadn't become Rock yet. He hadn't become Cephas yet, but he was going to. And Jesus called him Peter. This is where he gets his name Peter. And I think that Jesus has hope for people. He sees not what we are, but what we can be. In John 1, verse 43, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law, the one whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here's a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree, before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. So, Nathanael hears the Jesus from Nazareth when his brother Philip tells him, and he says, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? And, you know, I live in Culver City, and if somebody told you, hey, there's Tony from Culver City, and you said, Culver City? Can anyone good come from there? I'd come up to you and say, hey, dude, where where are you from? What city are you from? What's wrong with Culver City? And I'd be a little offended. And Jesus commends the guy on just being honest. He doesn't like Nazareth. He here is a, a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false. You were honest about your feelings. He didn't say, why are you bagging on my city? Or what do you know? Or who are you? Or, I can blast you with a lightning bolt right now. He says, you're an honest guy and you say things like you feel them. That's crazy. So here he's gracious. He doesn't blast him and he's considerate. He's considering that he doesn't really want to be too strong with this guy. He wants to win him on over And I really appreciate that about Jesus, because sometimes I say some stupid things. And I'm grateful that Jesus is gracious and compassionate with me. That was all John chapter 1, just Jesus' first interactions with his disciples. As we go on to John 15, Jesus is about ready to go home. He's about ready to go to the cross and resurrect and go be with God in heaven. But he's got some last um, dialogue with his disciples. In John 15, verse 9, he says... As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. You think about that. He's so generous. He's like, all that I've been given, I give to you. As I've been loved, I'm loving you. And I think, are we like that? We love to receive love, but are we as giving with our love as we are eager to receive it? Jesus was generous. He didn't just love us anyway. He loved us the way he was loved by the Father. John 15, verse 11. He said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. First of all, you need to realize about Jesus. Jesus wasn't the somber guy that was always really quiet or, you know, Jesus was joyful. It says that he wanted his joy to be in us. In fact, he wanted our joy to be complete. Jesus is joyful and Jesus is other centered. He wants us to be joyful. And if you think being a Christian means you can't be joyful, you, you got it wrong. He's, he says he wants us to have complete joy. In fact, the Bible says in Philippians 4 that rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. In fact, if you're not joyful, you're disobeying the Bible. So if you think being a Christian is all about being somber, it's time to wake up, have a birthday and get joyful. But I don't feel joyful. We'll get joyful. But I don't want to be joyful. We'll quit being Selfish. I mean, honestly, guys, if you're not joyful, it's because you just want to disobey the Bible. Just have an attitude adjustment. I've given myself this I hate losing at anything. I mean, we were riding up that hill, and I had to get off my bike and walk part of the way. And literally, I didn't want to do it because I felt like, you know, I, I, if anyone else was going to make it up that hill, I wanted to be one of them. Anthony made it up the hill. I got off. I was one of the first to get off. And I, I got off after my heart was beating so hard that I was dizzy. I thought, I'm about ready to pass out here. After I got off my bike, I realized I wasn't in the lowest gear. I was riding the wrong gear up the hill, so I do not even know how to work one of those bikes. My heart was beating so hard, I was dizzy. I don't think I could have made it up in the right gear, but Anthony's in a lot better shape than me. But, I don't know where I was going with that. Joyful. <laughs> we need to be joyful. I don't know where I was going. John 15:15. 15, 15. Let's move on. (laughs) I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. This is one of the coolest scriptures in the Bible. Jesus says, I don't call you servants. I don't want you to just serve me. I want to be your friend. Jesus wants to be our friend. I have called you friends. What a great statement by Jesus. He He's vulnerable. He says, everything I learned from my father I've made known to you. Jesus bore his whole heart. He he opened wide his heart to the disciples. He let us know, all of us, and it's written in the Bible. So we know everything he knew about the father, he let us know. Everything he he learned, he let us know. Everything he wanted us to know, he let us know. He was completely open-hearted. He was vulnerable. And And if we chose to walk on him, we do. But he opened himself up whether we walk on him or not. Whether we accept him and embrace him or whether we walk on him, he's opened wide his heart. That's so much unlike us, isn't it? We're so afraid to be hurt, walked on, trampled on, disrespected, rejected, ridiculed, laughed at, that we don't open wide our hearts to each other. We're not vulnerable. But Jesus was vulnerable. John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Jesus chose you. Jesus is your friend. The fact that you're here today shows that Jesus chose you. Whether you've, you know, he's <laughs> he's saying, "Friend me." He's making the call. Friend me. All you got to do is accept his friend request. He chose you. He's calling you. He says he's drawing all men to himself. I'm reading a little bit of the Bible, but all your life. Jesus has been reaching out to you. If you're new here, you've been here one, two, three times or It's your first time. Jesus is reaching out to you. He's drawing you in. He wants you to get to know him. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be vulnerable with you. He wants you to be vulnerable with him. He wants to be gracious towards you and honest with you. He wants to be available to you. Have you accepted his friend request? You've got a good friend. In Jesus, and uh, you know, I'm so grateful that uh, some a lot a lot of the campus students over the last month, and even today, have decided to accept Jesus friend request. And I want to introduce to you a couple of Jesus friends. All right, so let's look at Jesus' first friend here. This is Ty. Ty, can you stand up? This is Ty in the flesh. Jesus sent out the friend request that, you know, friend made to Ty, and Ty accepted his friend request and pressed, I want to be Jesus' friend. But I also appreciate the friends that helped Ty um, study the Bible and were vulnerable with him and shared their lives with him. And Kenny and Kendall were really always there helping Ty. Kendall was studying the Bible, but Ty and Kendall kind of helped each other in their decisions to follow Jesus. And Ty, a couple weeks ago, decided to make Jesus Lord and was baptized. That's a bad picture. It's the only one we have that was from a phone, so forgive the picture. The next one that decided to accept Jesus' friend request was Shadara. And there's Shadara with uh, Kenny and Zyra and Morgan. And um, Shadara, could you stand up? Where is Shadara? She was sitting right there. There she is. Everybody look at Shadara and say, hi, Shadara you weren't there, this was in the Newman's garage in a heated baptistry. This is right before her baptism. But I really appreciate the, the friends that helped Shadara make her decision. You know, there we see Zyra and Morgan. They helped study the Bible with her as well as some others. But it takes Jesus being a friend and also people being friends. You know, that Jesus, you know, somebody planted the seed, the family. But then the water, you know, it took Morgan and Zyra and some others to water the seed. Um, another three guys decided to accept Jesus' friend request. Next slide is Kendall, Matt, and Zach. And I, with Kendall, you know, Ty and Kenny were really in there with Kendall helping them along the way. With Matt, Jose, and Eddie were in there helping him learn about Jesus. And with Zach, Jermaine invited him, but Alex was really in there studying the Bible. But all of these guys had friends helping them, but they, to accept Jesus' friend request, I'd like them to stand up. Kendall, if you could stand on up. This is Kendall in the flesh. Zach, could you stand up? Where's Zach? Zach's right here. And Matt texted me that he missed his bus. I don't know if... He, there's Matt in the back. His bus finally arrived. There's Matt. Raise your hand. Also known as the Three Amigos. And, you know, someone has decided today to accept Jesus' friend request. Uh, next slide. Sarah is going to be Jesus' new friend today. Sarah's there in the middle with some of her friends, and um, Sarah's got lots of friends. Sarah, can you stand on up? So consider this an announcement. Down at Playa Beach at the end of Culver at 1230 today, Sarah's going to be baptized. And I, I appreciate the friends that helped her water the seed, Lily, Jessica, and Gina, that were really there for her to help her accept Jesus' friend request. So now we've learned about how Jesus was a good friend. And you know where this is going, don't you? We're going to bring it home. Next slide. You've got a good friend. The second point or question is, are you a good friend? You knew I was going here, didn't you? Because we got to learn, don't we? We can learn from Jesus on how to be a good friend. And guys, every one of us is going to be convicted by something. So just be ready for that, Okay. And you, you may want to write down some things on how it can be a better friend. But Jesus says, and I'll read this again. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. This is the fa- then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. So Jesus wants us to love each other the way he loved us. He commands us to love each other. That's really, if you want to know how to remain in the vine, love each other. You want to know how to be a friend of Jesus? Love each other. John 13 drives this point home. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is a command. We need to love like Jesus. If you're not very good at it, get good at it. Make it your ambition to love like Jesus. It says, by this all men will know you're my disciples. By your love for one another. Guys, when people come into our fellowship and they see our love, it convicts them that these people must have been with Jesus. They must have accepted Jesus' friend request. Let's look at some ways that uh, Jesus was a friend. Some questions to ponder. Am I a friend like Jesus? Am I gracious? Do I easily forgive people when they hurt me? Am I truthful? Or am I, do I rarely have the courage to be honest? Am I available? Or am I selfishly oriented, mostly hanging out with myself? Am I hopeful? Do I believe the best in others or do I get annoyed by their weaknesses? Am I considerate? Do I consider how my words may affect people? Or do I say things that blow people away? Am I generous? Do I give freely to people of my time, my love, and my energy? Am I joyful? When I come into a room, do I light it up? Or am I the black hole that sucks the life out? Am I other-centered or am I always consumed with myself. Am I vulnerable? Holding nothing back. Letting people know what I'm feeling. Whether I'm feeling happy or sad, good or bad. Wherever I'm at, you know where I'm at because I'm completely letting you know everything that I've learned. Vulnerable. Holding nothing back. That's challenging, isn't it? These were all the the characteristics of Jesus that we looked at in John and I only looked at two chapters. I went through the whole book. We'd have like 150 of these things. And then you'd go home really discouraged. Now... You be encouraged that Jesus, this guy loves you and he wants to be your friend. He's the best friend we could have, right? But I want to give three specific challenges. I can't. I don't want to challenge you on all ten of those things. It'll it'll overwhelm me. But three I want to challenge you on. All right? First challenge: work on being gracious. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Guys. We can't get to heaven unless we're gracious. We can't get to heaven unless we forgive one another, unless we give grace to one another, unless we're merciful to one another. There's so many scriptures on mercy. Guys, we need to be merciful and gracious and forgiving towards one another. It is a requirement to get into heaven. Guys, we need to work on being gracious. A lot of times we we get hurt, somebody does something wrong, they say something wrong, and we're like, that's unbiblical, so I have the right to be mad at you. Well, As humans, we do unbiblical things. We sin. We make mistakes. But you do not have the right to hold a grudge against anybody. You don't. Because if you hold a grudge, now that's between you and God. That sin of unforgiveness is now between you and God. So now you've got something with God to deal with. Regardless of what that man or woman or child did to you, you need to be forgiving because Christ was forgiving to you. And maybe they sinned against you one, two, three, or four times, but you've sinned against God thousands of times. And He's chosen to be merciful to you. Work on being gracious. When you're not gracious, you know it. Go pray until you can forgive. Amen? Challenge number two. Work on being truthful. I'll just pause there. How should we be truthful? I've found that it's hard to be truthful because it takes courage. A lot of times we, there's certain truths that we need to tell people that are just hard to tell. We're just afraid to. But but if you do it in a loving way, if you consider how you do it, and you do it in a loving way, just about anybody can take the truth. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. Ephesians 4.15. I'll give you an illustration. I got mustard on my nose. I've been eating a hot dog at, at a ball game. I was at the Laker game and I had a hot dog. And uh, my buddy Steve, who I'm at the game with, comes up to me and I'm around a big group of people. Dude, you got mustard on your nose. Look at the mustard on Tony's nose. And everybody laughs, on, laughs at me. Is that a, a loving way to tell me the truth? How about this? Steve comes up to me and taps me on the shoulder. and He says, dude, you got some mustard on your nose. Just you go clean it off. Is that better? There's always a loving way to tell the truth and an unloving way to tell the truth. And a lot of times I've heard disciples say, they said something to somebody that was true, but it was in such an unloving way. Well, I was just telling the truth. I'm just all about the truth. I'm just keeping it real. <laughs> well, you're keeping it real in a very unloving, unchrist like way. And it's not okay. Keeping it real does not give you a license to hurt people's feelings. We need to speak the truth. We need to speak the truth. There you go. You guys got that challenge? Third challenge. I've only got three. Work on being vulnerable. Second Corinthians 6, verse 11 through 13. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. Guys, we need to be affectionate with one another and vulnerable with one another. People need to know who we are and what we believe in and what we like and what we don't like and what pleases us and what displeases us. And that's what it means to open wide your heart. And guys, a lot of us have been wounded by our past. And it's not easy to be vulnerable or open or affectionate. We're afraid. We have these fears. But as Christians... Paul here is challenging the Corinthian church to open wide their hearts. He doesn't say, only if you haven't had a challenging past. He says, we're opening wide our hearts to so you. You need to open wide your hearts to us. Paul had a challenging past, guys. He killed Christians. He had to accept God's grace that he could be forgiven for killing Christians. You think that he could feel a little hurt or into himself? And yet he was opening wide his heart to the churches wherever he went. Guys, we need to work on this. We need to be work, work on being more vulnerable. I would say that the best friendships don't really get that close until you're very vulnerable with one another. We need to know each other's good and bad. You hang out late at night with somebody, you, you find out the good and the bad. Hey, I want to tell you something I never told anybody before. When does that happen? That happens when you've been hanging out a long time, right? Late at night, sleep over, whatever, long drive, you really get to know one another. We need to let each other know where we're at. That's the only way we can help each other and pray for one another and lift each other up. Build each other up, right? So, in conclusion, you've got a good friend. That's Jesus, right? Point number 2, are you a good friend? We need to be more like Jesus, amen. I'm glad he's gracious with us cuz we've made we're not we're not as good of friends as we could be, but we can grow. Hopefully there's a few things on there that you could grow in. If you're thinking, I wish people were this, this and this way with me. Then maybe you need to say, I need to be this, this, this way with other people. It's easy to look at people and how they could be better friends. But we need to look at ourselves and how we can grow to be more like Christ. If Jesus is calling you today, if you're visiting or you're studying the Bible or you're out for the first time and you feel like Jesus is calling you and he's saying, friend me, accept his friend request today. Amen. How do you do that? I want to tell you the person who invited you would love to sit down with you over coffee or lunch and explain to you we got we got a study series there's seven studies one is about the good news of Jesus one talks about how the word is God's word about discipleship following Jesus another one about how to become a Christian another about why Jesus died on the cross another about the family of God cool study series you do it it'll help you build your faith It'll help you understand what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. It talks about baptism and what is baptism according to the Bible. And you'll know everything you need to know about following Jesus and being his disciple if you go through the study series. If you're coming and you want to know more about Jesus, ask the person who brought you, hey, will you sit down with me and, and do this study series with me? As well, we have a membership class coming up later on this month. Come to the membership class. Um, we'll explain it to you there more clearly. Check on, on the response card of the... Uh, the connection card on your, your yellow thing, your brochure, there's a connection card. Right, check on there that you want to study the Bible and that you want to go to the membership class. If you're a disciple and Jesus is calling you to be a better friend, then accept his friend request. Allow all of those characteristics of Jesus to, to marinate in your heart. And do your best to become more like Jesus as your friend to others. It's a cool series we're doing on Facebook. Today we've talked about Friend Me, and Jesus is a great friend. He wants to be your friend. Please accept his request. And as well, Jesus is a great friend, a great person that we can emulate and be a great friend like him. Thank you for your attention. Look forward to next week carrying on the series. Please come back next week to get the next in the series from Faithbook. Thank you very
1: much. Nice. Ruben, would you actually like to respond to the lesson today? You'll have a chance in a few weeks, Reuben. But everything that Tony mentioned about that mountain bike experience was absolutely true. But, um, no, 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 I'm going to build Reuben up here in a minute. The thing that um, impressed me about Reuben was our mountain bike guide who'd been doing this for many, many years. He warned us at the beginning of the race that, okay, after we cross the river, it's going to get only more difficult. And so we all struggled to get even to the river. And we're at a point where the guide said, "Um, basically, whoever wants to turn back, you can turn back right now. And he was specifically talking to Ruben at this point. (laughs) Reuben said, I'm going. And Reuben, like we all did, he struggled up that hill and down the hill. But the thing that was so impressive about Reuben, he didn't give up. He made it. And that's so much. So, yeah, we can applaud for Reuben at this time. He knows all the love and encouragement. And, and there's so many lessons to life about that. It doesn't matter how we get into heaven, just as long as we get in. Okay? Some of us, we're going to be blazing through, the, you know, those gates. Others, we're going to be, you know, cramping up. <laughs> and that's okay. Just, just get a friend, as Tony said, get a friend to drag you through heaven, you know, if you cramp up. But, uh, again, everything that Tony said about Reuben is absolutely true. Um, I I love Tony's message today. Great job, Tony. I think, you know, when Tony talks about friendship, we'll we'll clap for Tony here in a moment. But Tony is is a great friend. He is a great brother of an example of friendship. And I'm impressed with uh, how much he's he's, uh, maintained his friendships over the years to the many different churches that he's been a part of. And he's just a great example of being a friend. And uh, I I think his lesson today of, of showing... How many qualities Jesus is all about? Just, just who Jesus is and how we're called to follow him and how we're all convicted to be a better friend. Uh, that's that's what it's all about. And uh, I know some of us are better at friendships than others. Friendship is like so natural to, to some of us. Where others, uh, it takes so much more effort, so much more thought. Uh, I myself, I believe I'm, I'm like that. It takes more effort for me to be a better friend because I see my own I see my own self-sufficiency. I see my own uh, self-reliance. And I've got to be that kind of person where I make more effort in letting other people into my life and allowing people to be in my life. And so whatever challenge you today, make some decisions to God and to other people of how you can be a better friend. But, uh, Tony, thanks for doing a great job today. Now we can clap. We can thank him for being that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I want us to take out our connection.